you know, we work so hard to get to the point where we're doing what we love, but then we're just running on this treadmill trying to keep everything going and not loving it. We kind of end up abandoning our dream. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire new ways of thinking, evoke wild ways of being, and excavate enriched understandings about our purpose, creativity, and wellness. I'm your host, Emma Kvetna, maker and mystic, teacher and writing coach, entrepreneur and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello and welcome to Wild Creative. As an artist and writer, but also as an entrepreneur, I know firsthand what it's like to try to run a business when you're more artistically inclined or more free-spirited and more creatively minded. We often think that, or at least in, in my case, I for sure felt this way, and I know I've met other artists who have felt the same, but I do think it is common that we often feel that business has to be this really black and white clinical, kind of salesy, gimmicky, almost greedy type of entity that we have to run or or if, or oh, if we own a business or we work for a business. So we, we kind of feel, you know, beholden to this business thing that is the life force of our of our means of existing because that's how we make money. There can be a bit of a disconnect between your creativity, your flow, who you think you should be in your business versus who you are as an artist. And the for me, at least, there there seems to be, there, there can be created this real divide between what I want to offer in my business, but then what I feel like I really would rather be doing, which is, you know, working on my book or writing and that sort of thing. And as an artist or as a writer, as a creative, a deeply creative person, it can be quite a struggle to run a business and own a business because the business, again, is seen as this, such a, a non-creative, non-artistic thing. But it doesn't have to be. And that's what my guest today is all about. And honestly, guys, this was one of the most enlightening conversations I've ever had on this podcast. So I'm really looking forward to sharing it because Sydney had some really insightful golden nuggets of, of wisdom here about how she approaches business. So to give you some background on her, Sydney Fletcher is a campfire singing, forest hiking, golden retriever loving yogi coach and entrepreneur who is striving to shift the world in magical ways through mindset coaching, yoga, and creativity. She has spent the last six years doing just that after, rather spontaneously, quitting her career as a full-time art director in advertising and diving headfirst into entrepreneurship. She believes that creativity can be a source for good and that business can be a source of creative expression and social change. Sydney joined me via Zoom from her home in British Columbia. Welcome, Sydney, to Wild Creative. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here and uh, ask you more about being a life coach for solopreneurs. And speaking of that, so can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that? Because originally you were in marketing and advertising and you were an art director. And then it says in your bio that you kind of abruptly or spontaneously found yourself as a life coach now. So how did that happen? Because I wouldn't have... <laughs> expected that transition. <laughs> yeah, it was a wild ride for me as well. Um, I mean, it was an abrupt and unexpected shift, although it had been something that I had been thinking about doing for a long time, not necessarily the life coaching itself, but I really wanted to work for myself. I think when I got into graphic design, the original intention was to eventually work for myself. And then I found myself eight years into my career, not doing that. Not doing so yes. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so that part wasn't necessarily surprising, but the timing was a bit surprising. And when it came to life coaching, I had worked, been working with a coach for about two years at that point, two or three years. And during our coaching relationship, she had actually planted the seed that I would make a good coach. I mean, I was definitely involved in self-development and 
self-awareness because yoga was a big part of my life. And mm-hmm. I was a, a study, I was studying to be a yoga teacher. And for me, like coaching and yoga have a lot of overlap between the two of them. So yeah, I think she sort of planted the seed. I brushed it off when she initially <laughs> made that first planting. And then when I had quit about a a year, close to a year after I had quit and was working as a freelance designer, I went to Costa Rica and I um, taught yoga alongside a life coach. And it was then that I saw her doing what she was doing. And I thought that's exactly what I want to do. And so I came home from Costa Rica and signed up for my certification. And the rest is history. Here we are. Here we are. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. And it sounds, it's funny you mentioned the yoga part, because that was one of my other questions for you was like, how does yoga factor into being a life coach and helping solopreneurs? Like how does being in our bodies and being embodied and and connecting with our breath and all the things that yoga does, how how does that overlap for you then? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question, (laughs) because I think it also fits so well with the theme of your podcast being, mm-hmm. you know, wild creativity. Yeah. And yeah. Thinking outside the box. Thinking outside the box. But I think in order to do that, connecting to our hearts and bodies, as cheesy as that might sound, but I think there it's such a crucial component to creativity. For me, when I am connected to my body, when I am it present in my body, that's when I do my best thinking. Mm-hmm. when I'm in the shower you know like yeah we all know how powerful a place the shower is to come up yep. with ideas and it's incredible to me how these ideas come so naturally from within us when that happens yeah it's like some, the flow starts or something like that like yeah. you know what I mean like the creative flow in your mind where the thoughts just can't shut them off and they're really um like innovative and of course, the shower is a great place because you can't write anything down when you're in there. So you have to remember everything that you're thinking by the time you get out. So yeah. And would you say that like, if when we're embodied and, and, and that flow is happening, that like our intuition is kind of more tuned in, I guess, to like, because for me, and this has been a theme on the podcast that's come up before about like how our bodies and our intuition are kind of the same thing. Like when we listen to our bodies, we're kind of listening to our intuition as well I would agree um I personally think that I think one of the most important things for us is to build that relationship with ourselves to where we can start to tune in and recognize where these different thoughts or voices are coming from inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. so for me that's been a huge component unleashing unleashing my creativity or rather because I I kind of think we're just always being creative and that we're always creating something so for me that is just always a naturally occurring thing Mm -hmm. it's the blocking of that or the questioning of that that is when we start struggling or hitting those roadblocks yeah so for me like that learning how to become aware of those different voices and understand where they're coming from is so important because then I get to understand is this a fear and where is that fear coming from because I think our our intuition can still speak fear to us um definitely Mm -hmm. but how we approach those fears is going to be different depending on where it's coming from right And, and like I think things happen for a reason like personally, I think that's, and so when we get an intuitive hit on yeah, to do something or not to do something, I think it's worth listening to it. If, you know, if it came up in that way, like the voices and the, as you said, like the, yeah, when that speaks to you, it's important to mm-hmm. listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with creativity and um, in terms of relating that to businesses and solopreneurs, when we first met a while ago, when we were first uh, introduced to each other. You mentioned that your philosophy is using business as a tool to express what we believe. And yeah. so, yeah, can you touch on that a bit? Because typically, express like self-expression is most associated with like art and yeah. artsy things. Uh, so, what's your take on it in terms of like business expression? Yeah, uh, I I personally love to look at business as another art form. 
Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Right. So we can look at it just like that. What do I want to express through this? It's similar to a, a painter who uses acrylic and a canvas to express something from the, their heart or to explore even, you know, like I yeah. think we don't have to necessarily be expressing something from deep in it, within. It might just be, I want to explore how to use this paint on this canvas, right? Yeah. And I think we can look at businesses the same way. And what does that open up for us when we start to look at business as the medium, as the art medium, then what do we want to use that for? What do we want to create? What do we want to create? And why Mm -hmm. do we want to create? Why do we want to choose that medium over a different medium? Right. Mm -hmm. So like, why do I want to open up a graphic design business versus a coaching business? Or why do I want to make earrings? Like, what are, what are we trying? What is the purpose of that? Why is that important to us? And why is it important to other people? Mm -hmm. I love seeing business as art. Yeah, it's fun, right? It like, yeah. I think it it adds a levity that I think is really needed in the world in general. <laughs> but, <Yes. laughs> but I think it also can add some playfulness and curiosity into it. And yeah, I think if we are looking at it through the lens of art for an artist, if they're doing a show at a at a gallery, likely they're going to come up with some sort of artist statement for their work. And like, what would our artist statement be for our business? That's a pretty interesting exercise. Yeah. Instead of your, your mission, your business's mission, or it's kind of the same thing, but I like the artist statement yeah. language better personally. Of uh, course. Cause you're like, an artist. Well, exactly. Like, oh, you're actually, this is like a huge epiphany for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and hopefully for our listeners too, like, yeah, seeing your business as a work of art rather than a means of making money or a salesy gimmicky thing that you have to do to survive or whatever, even 100%. though I'm sure we wouldn't call our own business a salesy gimmicky thing, but I know we can, we feel like it can be that. Yeah. Well, plus I think my, my people, the people that I gravitate towards the people that gravitate towards me, I think we do tend to resonate more with the art world than with the business world. And when you feel that resident resonance, you are more likely to move towards that place that you feel resonance with, right? Mm-hmm. But I would love to see the business world become more resonant to people who resonate with the art world. Yeah. Like exactly. those are the kinds of shifts that I think are possible in business, but they aren't possible if we're not actively shifting them. But it's just the way we're looking at it, right? But most of the time, a lot of us don't necessarily identify with business people because we see it as this like buttoned up place with spreadsheets and suitcases and money hungry um, and all of that kind of stuff. But we have to be willing to start to step towards that narrative in order to change the narrative. And so I think like starting to communicate about that world in a way that actually resonates with people is part of how we do that. Yeah. And that authenticity, bringing it through as opposed to, yeah, yeah, the buttoned up version that we don't relate to as artists. Yeah, exactly. And then you're also not starting from ground zero because if Mm -hmm. you, if you are a practicing artist and you're familiar with that world, We're just applying what you already know from that world, but applying it in a world that's not as familiar to you, right? But you you feel more confident now, like as soon as we're talking about artist statements and different mediums, it's like, oh, I'm not a newbie in this world. Like I know what I'm doing there, if that's how we're talking about it. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Yeah. And yeah, that's, uh, I love that. That's, that's going to. I think that's going to affect my business going forward, honestly, because I have, I have struggled with this a lot. And mm. yeah, like having a, like being a business, being a brand versus just being myself, uh, it was like a lot of disconnect. And it's only just been this past several months or less that I've like figured out what I want to offer and how I want to present it. And it really just is me. There's no business or brand anymore. <laughs> it's just me yeah. as a writer, teaching other writers about writerly things. That's it. So <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love that the business as or art form. 
So I do, and I do want to ask you more about like some more advice for, for people who are still struggling with the marketing side of things and like money mindset. But first, since, since you did mention that business as art form, um, what, what is it about being a life coach for you that is like, why is that your art form? Like, what are you creating with your canvas? Yeah. <laughs> I like how you asked that question. That was good. <laughs> um, well, I think it's serendipitous that you mentioned that phrase being yourself. Like you've learned that you, you are the brand, just like being yourself is the brand. Exactly. Yes. So my, I guess the, the ultimate goal for me is to have a portfolio of clients who are, that that's what's happening, right? Like yeah. there's a portfolio of businesses out in the world of brands that are just pure expressions of the individuals who run those brands or businesses. Mm -hmm. So that's ultimately like, that would be my gallery show, right? Yeah. It would be those yeah. different people and their businesses and them really embracing who they are and allowing their business and therefore their income to be a sole expression of that. And that really is about helping them tap into tap into who they are and understand who they are and what they want and get clear on on that sort of thing. And then, of course, have the confidence to do it. I, as you were saying all of that, I got this visual of you like painting, but what the thing that you were painting was like other business owners who were like heart centered and, and, you know, happy with what they're doing. Like, I, I totally get what you were saying. I don't know if I articulated that well, but I get what you're saying. It's like your, your portfolio that you're trying to create personally for you, the art yeah. you're putting out in the world is this clientele of people who are doing exactly kind of what you're doing like they're creating art it's like this like mirror like double mirror effect you know yeah um, yeah anyway i just got that visual in my head so i love, I love that it. <laughs> wow this is really cool because it's so interesting how just like a change of language just shifts everything because language is your worldview so yeah yeah so it's really and speaking it, to me <laughs> well and it really changes the way you're perceiving those things right and the visuals that are coming up for you like I'm yeah. imagining the majority of people listening to this podcast and and you and me like we're probably very visual people mm -hmm. or we might be we might connect to language so yeah it's shifting the perception of what all of that is the verbiage we would use the words we would use to describe things and then the visuals that we see in our heads yeah makes sense for me as a writer with words, you know, yeah. that that language is huge for me and it, it can really shift a lot of things just by changing the language. So, um, mm -hmm. so, spe so speaking of all of that with the artsy approach to business, which, that makes me think of the muse. And what's your, what's your take on the muse? And like, do you see your clients as muses for you or? Oh, this is an interesting question. <laughs> I would love to what how would you def what would your definition of muse be oh, well i teach a whole class on meeting your muse actually <laughs> <laughs> you're the right person to ask this question yeah, ho hopefully but okay so for me what i have found in my experience so so we know we all know what the muse is theoretically speaking right it's this like abstract thing that inspires us or is supposed right. to inspire us right but it's like it, it's got a mind of its own oh the muse isn't here today i guess i'm not creating you know but like what does that even mean what what does that even actually mean and what does it yeah. look like who is your muse why is it there what does it want from you so I, I i teach this class that's all about um making your muse concrete and like getting a visual in your head of like what they look like if it's a person or is it a feeling is it an object is it a place and, and understanding what it wants from you, what it's trying to get you to transcribe, i.e. put out in the world that it can't because it's this ethereal object or thing. Yep. So it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a deep concept, but so to me, <laughs> a muse is this thing inside of you that wants to create, but it can't. So it's trying to get you to do it for it. And so it's kind of like, maybe it's whispering to you or yelling at you or something, make this, make this, put this out in the world. And then you go and do it because you're so inspired and you want to do it. 
And so to me, that's what a muse is. This is so great. Um, <laughs> also, that sounds like a wicked course. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think for me, the muse is the spirit. So this is where we've got like creativity and business coming together and becoming like a spiritual adventure. I think our creativity, I see it almost like an energy that lives inside of us and it's fueled by that spirit. And whether or not, no, like, no, this doesn't have to do with religion at all. Like it's, it's, it's non-denominational, but it's just that creator inside of you and the spiritual knowing. And I think of it kind of similar to, you know, when you look at nature, a beaver just knows what they need to do in their lives. Like their purpose is very clear. They, they go and they build dams, they take down trees yeah. and they build dams. Right. Mm -hmm. And an oak or an acorn, it has this natural process of becoming an oak tree and its purpose is to be an oak tree. Oak tree. Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to our internal creativity, this is how I see business is like, we have this spirit inside of us that is meant to guide us and shape what we create in our lives. And I personally think that not, I don't know, I don't know if any, everybody has an entrepreneurial kind of system, guiding system inside of them. But I think there's a lot of us who know that we want to work for ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's a knowing that that's there. And I think there is a business that is meant to be created by that muse inside of us, that spirit, spirit that lives inside of us. And I mean, the way that we talk about muses in the world, it's often something that's outside. Like the muse is this external figure that inspires us, mm -hmm. right? And I love the way that you're teaching this because it's really tapping into like what's happening inside. And I come from a very similar place of like that muse is inside of you. And so again, going back to your question for a few moments ago, you know, like how do we really create that relationship with that muse inside of us so that we are free to express it? Exactly. Yeah. Did that answer your question or did I go in a totally different direction? <laughs> no, I, th I think that answered. What even was my question? I think it was, yeah, what's a, what's a muse to you and do you see your clients as muses? But I think what you're saying is that it's more for you, it's more internal, it's more, it's it's your inner guidance system. It's the spirit that kind of drives your entrepreneurial spirit, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I would like definitely my muse is inside and mm -hmm. then I help my clients connect to their own muse. They, they have a muse too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do find like I'd be lying if I said I wasn't inspired by watching my clients too, right? Yes. And there are there are ways that when I am seeing what's happening outside of myself that inspires something in my muse. Yeah. So it's a reciprocal thing, I think. Yeah, I could see that. It goes both ways. I don't, I'm, I, yeah, I don't see how that wouldn't happen because I'm sure your clients must go through lots of transformations, like working with you with this type of work. Um, and speaking of that, do you, are you able to share a story about one of the biggest transformations you've seen in a client? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one that comes immediately to mind, I just wrote about her in my social media last week. So I, it's like right there at the surface. But Perfect. She, she's an acupuncturist. Her name's Stephanie. She's like a wonderful person. And um, she, when she came to me, she was feeling a lot of overwhelm and burnout in her business. And she'd gotten herself to such a great place where she was, she was working full time as an acupuncturist and that unto itself is such a success, like being able to get to that point where you're able to sustain yourself purely on your desired occupation. And so she'd gotten herself to that point, but she was feeling very, I think, I think fear was part of it and burnout, just mm -hmm. like not being able to see how this would be sustainable and it was at a point where she was just able to get by. So, you know, like she was still pretty much living paycheck to paycheck and was just like, I don't know that I can keep going like this. And so we worked together that first, we're still working together, but that those first couple of rounds, 
she really worked hard in shifting that story for herself. And that so much was about connecting to her creativity, her sense of creativity of like, okay, this is the way you've created this thus far, but is that the only way, right? Because creativity is really about solution finding. Yes. A lot, or that's one way it manifests is through solution finding, finding new ways, finding different ways, having new ideas, tapping into something you haven't thought about before. And so Mm -hmm. through our work together, that's what really we were doing a lot of was, you know, understanding where the roadblocks were and then also navigating, like, what are the other routes to get to the destination? So after the first year of working together, she'd broken through what she thought was possible to create from a financial perspective. Um, Her relationship with money was changing um, significantly and she had more time. So, you know, we changed the whole money to time equation and sort of simplified things in a way where she was able to spend less time working, but was getting the same, if not more income. And so there was now more room to more space to play and to enjoy her life and to um, play with different ideas and new offerings for her clients and new ways to market herself, all of those kinds of things. So yeah, that was one of the big changes. Yeah. It sounds like she was almost ready to give up or something at the, like when she first met you, like, well, and I think, and I think this is so common is we start to question, like, do I love doing this? Is this what I want to do with my life? And I have multiple examples of that, of people who are so frustrated and in fear of whether they can keep going Mm -hmm. and they're not enjoying their businesses. So, you know, we work so hard to get to the point where we're doing what we love, but then we're just running on this treadmill trying to keep everything going and not loving it anymore. And then, so we start to question the value of what we're offering. We question whether we even like doing it. What else could I do that I would love? You know, so we kind of end up abandoning our dream. What do you think is like the biggest catalyst for why we do that? Like why we nearly abandon the dream or um, why we get stuck on that treadmill? What's like, at least what you've seen in your work, like what's the most common thing that seems to be a driving factor in that? Um, I have three components to that. Okay. Um, So I call it, it's like, I'm going to try and I usually describe this with a visual (laughs) <laughs> but I'll try and describe it <laughs> yes, uh, um, yes, best I can without Auditory. drawing pictures. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so ultimately, I call it the golden triangle. You could also think of it as the three vulnerability triggers. So the golden triangle is sort of the reframed version of it. But where a lot of us often start is there's three things that I think tend to trigger our own vulnerability. And time is one. So calendar Mm -hmm. (laughs) obligations, Um, money is the second, and then our relationship with ourselves. And that one's a little bit tricky because oftentimes it presents itself as our relationship with other people or how we perceive other people. But really, it has to do with how we're perceiving ourselves. So when these are triggers, they tend to trigger our own vulnerability. We don't feel safe around them. Or we don't feel safe with making shifts or changing the way we're relating to them. So when you think about rescheduling things on your calendar, you know, we have an aversion to doing that. Or even scheduling the the creative project that we love as a priority on our calendar, we won't do that, right? So that's one way that it'll manifest. We can feel very vulnerable when it comes to money. So Mm -hmm. when you think about going to the grocery store, and you're like looking at different yogurt to buy and then you feel like crying when you're like you want to buy the seven dollar yogurt but you feel like you have to buy the four dollar yogurt you know like money we all know the vulnerabilities that money offers very well Mm -hmm. and the third is our relationship to ourselves so that often shows up as I mean if you're a business owner how you market yourself if you're an artist it might be presenting your work with other people that feels very vulnerable. So like I said, I I call those the three vulnerability triggers. And what we want to do is really start to shift the relationship to those three things so that they become the golden triangle. 
And this is where we move from feeling like a victim to those things. So feeling like a victim to our time or feeling like a victim to our finances or feeling like a victim to ourselves and how we're speaking to ourselves and moving that to where we feel like we're in authority of those things. So feeling like I'm in authority of my time. I choose how I spend my time. I'm in authority of my money. I choose how to, how I spend my money and make my money. I'm in authority of myself. I choose how I feel about myself. So I think like that to me is the crux of all of it. Those three things. Yeah. Getting back to a place of power or empowerment when it comes to those three things, instead of the fear-based kind of. uh, Yeah. And that's, it's tricky because it means taking this is kind of a buzz term, but radical responsibility over those things. Right. But it completely goes against how we have been taught to think. Yes. Our education system really teaches us to follow rules and follow orders of other people. Mm -hmm. I think education, the education system is changing a little bit. So but at least for my generation, and I'm sure for your generation as well, I don't know how, I don't know whether we're the same age or not, <laughs> but I feel like people who grew up in the 80s and 90s probably experienced a lot of, yeah, being told what to do and following those rules and getting gold stars when you got the answers, right? All of those things, right? So we weren't taught to look inside of ourselves and to think constructively about how we want to approach an external yeah. reward system and the subversive kind of like passive passivity is is key go with the flow or you know do what you're told do what you're told um, yeah follow the rules show up at this time yeah don't question things when the bell rings then you can go outside right. and so you're not having to make those decisions on your own and so you know like it's a skill like decision making is a yeah. skill And I think even taking responsibility for the choices we make is a skill as well. Yeah. I mean, I got to say those three things, time, money, and the relationship with ourselves, too real for me. That was (laughs) hit on all of them, like very (laughs) relatable. I feel seen right now. (laughs) Yeah. Like a little too seen, but uh, yes. uh, Like, I think for me, the biggest one I struggle with is the money Um, because time I'm pretty okay with although I got what you were saying about like pushing that creative time to the bottom like I definitely still do that like Mm -hmm. oh if I have an hour or something to do anything instead of working on my book I'll go check my email and like oh I'll follow up with that person like I'll do make work things because I think I you know I should be doing that or there's like some sort of guilt associated with like enjoying ourselves or something yeah 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 Totally. Well, and I think like the the biggest piece, because I, I think we can get into self-judgment territory mm-hmm. once we become aware of these things. And it's the biggest component that I always try to remind people is it's not that there's a right way or a wrong way. It's not that you have to put your, your creative projects ahead of everything, but it's who are you giving the responsibility for it? Is it a have to, or are you deciding to do it? Are you deciding to work for your, to do your employer's work Mm -hmm. now, you know, or are you doing the employer's work now because you think that's what you have to do? Those are two very different ways to approach the same thing, you know? So it's not that you have to do it a certain way. It's just what is driving the way you're doing it? And are you taking the authority over it? Yeah. What's your intention behind the decision are you and are you on board with that intention like (laughs) right yeah maybe questioning where it came from if it's if you're if you're not on board with it yeah exactly yeah um and yeah the money thing let's talk about money and money mindset and I love um, talking about money yeah I've been scared of money for a long time so I yeah I don't have a good relationship with money but that's like actually my goal this year is like the theme of 2023 for me is finance like get my finances in order actually make enough to save you know actually have enough left over to save like all these things because that's just been a huge struggle for me and I'm sure I'm not alone with other You're definitely not alone <laughs> in that I would say like beyond that I think the world's history with money comes from a very traumatic past and that has impacted all of us so I think we all deserve a lot of compassion around it and yeah. understanding yeah it's nothing to be ashamed of or 
because uh, that's like the first step I think is to getting getting past that guilt or shame or whatever you have around it and then just looking at the problem so then so yeah speaking of money then so what is like how would you approach that with someone who's maybe I don't know like what's the most common money problem you you that you come across is it that that your clients they don't know how to make more money or they're they don't have enough already to begin with with whatever it is they're already doing or what can you say about money well I would say first of all it's probably like there's a resentment to it I think is one of the most common things and then how we approach it so I tend to take a different approach whereas I think we've been trained a lot to think about how we're spending money and how we're saving it we put a lot of emphasis on that and I remember hearing in my own money journey because trust me (laughs) I'm not coming at this because I did it right out of the gates or because <laughs> I knew what I was doing or had a good relationship. Like everything that I do with other people are things that I've struggled with myself. Mm-hmm. But I remember hearing you never have a money outflow problem. Like it's never the outflow that's the problem. It's always the inflow. So how are we creating money? Mm-hmm. And when we focus more on the inflow than on the outflow, like it's just a more abundant way to solve the problem, I suppose. Again, it's coming back to that idea of like external solutions, outward thinking, output versus like internal, you know, going inside yourself for that guidance and answers. So the inflow of money, that's how I kind of was seeing it there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you don't have much to work with if you don't have much coming in. Well, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that makes right? sense. Duh. <laughs> yeah. 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 But we're always very concerned about like, how am I, how am I spending it? How can I save yeah. more? How can I? And I just think the better question to ask is how can I create more? Not because you have to keep more. Like, I think that's the thing that can have us rail against that is we don't want to get into the money greed. We're afraid of being a greedy person. We're afraid. And and that's valid. We haven't had very many examples in the public eye of people who have shown that they've done good with money. Right. Unfortunately, but like there's a difference between money creation and money hoarding. And I think that's where we confuse the two. It's like, if I create a lot of money, then I'm going to keep a lot of money. And it's like, no, (laughs) actually, like, we just want to feel more in authority of that so that we can create more. And then that gives us an opportunity to use it, use more, you know, it's bringing in more resources that we have at our disposal. Mm -hmm. So your approach with the money with clients is more focused on the inflow and how they can uh, create more money and attract more money to them. And also like what's getting in the way of that. Right. Because I think that actually is like, why are, what is stopping us from doing that? Yes. I think that's part of, that's my problem too. <laughs> and that's really just about helping people build their confidence around the ways, like the way, the place that I start and what I would advise anybody who's resonating with this conversation to start with is start to recognize the ways, ways you're already creating income. Because oftentimes, especially if we have an employer, we divert that credit to the person who's giving us the money instead of recognizing like I created that, I created that monthly income. How did I do that? I went out on interviews, I picked this job, like really starting to take ownership and authority over the choices and decisions you've made that have helped you create that influx of yeah. income. It's like I, I I earned that. I I got that instead of it being it was given to me. It wasn't and that because that that, yes. that gives the power the person the other person the power. Yeah. It, it takes it out of your, and the truth is you did, right? Like yeah. you made decisions that allowed that to happen. So that's a place that I like to start. Again, like it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier around helping people see they're not starting from scratch. You know, like you already have these skills, you've already done it in this capacity. So how can we translate those skills into another capacity, like starting your own business or like selling your art? Yeah, thinking outside the box once again. Back yeah. comes back to that idea. Yeah, yeah. So then, with the third piece about the uh, relationship with ourselves, and you kind of mentioned you mentioned marketing in there, and that com- that's probably a big one that comes up. 
And yes, that is a big one for artists who just want to serve people or help them or um, make art, but they're like, I hate the transactional part of it and uh, trying to market myself to, you know, attract or trap clients or, you know, in my mm -hmm. business offer. So yeah, what's what's your approach to marketing then with especially coming from your advertising background and, and whatnot? Mm -hmm. I mean, my approach sort of centers around authenticity because I think a lot of the time we hate it because it doesn't feel authentic to us. And we feel like we have to be something other than who we are, mm -hmm. which just stems from the old not good enough story that yes. <laughs> like most of us, myself included, can relate to. Yeah. So an approach is like, how can we make it more like the things that you already love? For me, a shift as a coach was recognizing that selling my services or marketing my services is the same as coaching. I can look at it as, as the same thing. How can I provide that in this sphere? How can I provide my coaching in my marketing, right? Yeah. And then people under, understand more of what they're getting. They get to know me. And the more I thought about it like that, the more I enjoyed doing it. And so what if what if your marketing could be your art? How would you market it differently? And how can you make it more of an expression of yourself? Like, where are you not being yourself and why? But they're deep, they're deep things. And I think what's important to remember is that all of these things are these trigger points, you know, whether it's time or money or, or marketing yourself, for instance, they're all triggering a very primal defense mechanism. And so when it comes to something like marketing, that's asking you to be visible to the world. It's asking you to put yourself out there. And that can be really scary. And to the primal part of us that is perceived as like, this is this is dangerous. Like, yeah, it's like leaving your comfort zone in a sense. Leaving your comfort zone and you're risking rejection and you're risking, you know, being thrown out of the tribe or whatever. Uh, again... These aren't necessarily what actually is happening, but it's more the primal fears that are coming up. So it's super normal. I think that's why it's helpful to have somebody alongside to, to support you and help you understand what's going on yeah. internally with all of that. But I think the other thing that can be profound is just those fears that come up in those moments have more to do with what you're thinking about yourself. So again, coming back to like, the relationship to yourself. If I related to myself differently, what would that look like? How can I have my own back in this moment? How can I be more myself in my marketing and let people see me? Mm -hmm. Again, I, I love the connection back to the art. Like if you were to make an ad, how would you, and, and the ad was the art or the expression of yourself what would it yeah. look like? And then just do that. Yeah. You know? These, yeah. these different mediums and it's, it's true in marketing. We have different mediums we get to choose from to express ourselves in. And so just using them, just like you'd use a paintbrush or a pen. If you're a writer, you yeah. know, like yeah. seeing them with the same love and adoration as you would look at your artistry tools. Yeah. Cause you are the creator at the end of the day, you're the one wielding yeah. the pen or the brush or the keyboard or <laughs> and there's a reason we don't there's a reason we're bulking against the way marketing we perceive marketing is done like there's a reason we're pushing against it and maybe that reason is because we're not meant to market in that way what if we just like let ourselves not have to do it that way find new mm, ways to do it that sounds like relief almost if when you think of it that way it's like oh yeah of course I don't have I don't have to do this thing I don't want to really do and again that yeah. comes back to taking the power back and making an informed exactly. powerful decision so yeah which you've done so beautifully with this podcast right this podcast is a great platform that you've found that like marketing is just making yourself visible to people to communities that want to find you so yeah. This platform has been a great place for you to exercise that and use it as your tool for creativity Yes, while also giving value to the people around you. Yeah, thank you for saying that. And it's so true because this podcast, it kind of just came out of nowhere. 
for me. And it, I got the idea to start it right after I had my epiphany of that, oh, I'm not a brand, I'm a person. I'm, I'm going to redo my whole website. And then like a few weeks later, I was like, I'm going to do a podcast about stuff I want to talk about. So I think, yeah, there's something to be said with that, that when, when it feels right to do it, like that's, you know, that, that, that is a sign. That's the thing that you, yeah. you can use, you can go that route. Um, Cause obviously yeah. I wouldn't want to do a podcast. I don't really want to do. <laughs> right. No, or I definitely not. I wouldn't want to, that's a lot of work for nothing. <laughs> so, and I wouldn't want to make an ad or a TikTok or a reel that I really don't want to do. And you know, that doesn't, for that doesn't feel like me. So it's the same thing. And sometimes it just means that it's not meant to be done right now too. You know, like the amount of times I railed against Instagram for the longest time. <laughs> and, and then I took the pressure off myself and told myself like, what if that just wasn't part of my plan? And lo and behold, I gravitated towards it eventually very organically and naturally and it's my playground now. I love it. I know. Um, I've seen some of your videos and like your, your post quotes and all these cool things and tips and yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of fun using it. And I think, you know, sometimes when we feel our selves bulking against an idea or bulking against a strategy, maybe maybe it's just not meant for me right now. You know, and I like to add that because I think so often we can be like, I hate that. I'm never going to use it. And it's like, well, there might come a time when you feel like that's a great thing. So just like, let that be there for now, what it is. And it can be, always be revisited. So funny you're saying that because I feel that way about TikTok. I don't have a TikTok still. I am like avoiding it for as long as I possibly can. Cause if I know if I have it, I'll just be on it yeah. all the time. I'm already on the reels <laughs> part of Instagram all the freaking time. So I'm like, I don't want to get TikTok, <laughs> but I want to publish books this year or at least one book. And I know book, t book talk for, you know, TikTok for authors has been really huge in terms of marketing. So I feel like I'm kind of going to have to do it. And, and, but again, like the timing, it's, it's kind of like, well, I don't have to do anything obviously, but I just feel like the timing will align where it's, it will feel right to go to that yeah. platform eventually. And then it will make sense to be there. Whereas before, like right now, it doesn't make sense for me to be there because I don't really want yeah. to. I have been in the same boat with TikTok and I'm just now starting to dip my toes in the TikTok water. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, get to do it in our own timing and screw everybody else and their exactly. timing like we we get to <laughs> we get to do it when it feels right for us yeah again yeah. empowered decisions so empowered decisions and yeah. and while you were talking there about instagram and about how it's your playground that made me think again going back to these artist terms that we've been using kind of like it's your studio like that's like if you wanted to see it in an artsy way like instagram's your studio like i'm going to go work in the studio today Oh, I'm going to, you yeah. know, go to TikTok. That's my studio today. I'm going to make some of these videos or whatever. And that for me changes a lot of things because every time I think Ooh. of like, oh God, I have to make a stupid reel today or like what, or a post, <laughs> it takes so long. It's so finicky and all this stuff. But then the idea of like switching it to like a studio where it's like, like a virtual studio that I get to go and create in, that's a totally different yeah. thing. Right? Yeah. Then it becomes this place that you get to play around in and get curious and try different things. Yeah. Like I think removing the perfectionism from it, that it has to be this only polished, finished things and just allowing it to be this place where you get to splatter yeah. paint all exactly. over the place and yeah, just explore. Like it's so much more fun. And I think then it becomes a really powerful tool for finding the creation or discovering the creation. I know for me, like it's using Instagram as my playground has helped me so much in getting clearer about what I want to create with my entrepreneurial endeavors as a coach. Yeah. You know, I've been able to clarify my message each time I post I think it's also helpful because it's putting it out there into the world. So you see what resonates with people and you, it's not just playing around with it in your head. You're actively like putting it on paper, so to speak, and getting it out Not there. just theoretical any longer when it's 
exactly posted or published yeah. yeah so you get to actually as you said play with the feedback that you get from it and then tweak and refine hone your skill and your craft of again i'm using all these yeah. artist terms this is so great <laughs> yeah well it is right like that's the creative process right yeah. there we try things some stuff works some stuff doesn't we keep some throw some out yeah we, we yeah. get a new painting technique for our watercolors or whatever it's like yeah you can just totally overlap your artist artistry with your your business in that yeah. sense so i love that that has been Yay. seriously helpful for me so thank you for sharing <laughs> I'm <so> that glad. <laughs> oh that's awesome i hope our listeners found that as enlightening as i did um but we do have a few minutes left so i'm gonna wrap things up and by asking you, um, where can people find you online? Obviously Instagram. Um, and do you have any upcoming offers or anything you wanna share with us? I do, yeah. Um, I was actually thinking about this this morning. I was like, oh my God, this is such good timing. <laughs> so they can find me at my website. My Instagram handle is do the heart work, heart as in your heart. Mm -hmm. And you can find my website at do the heart dot work. But I'm actually launching next week. I'm putting on a, a five-day mini course. So cool. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I'll I'll send you the link if you yeah, if you're interested in signing up and checking it out. Okay. But mm -hmm. um I don't know when this podcast will come out. I'm assuming after that. It's so... coming out this Sunday. Oh, is it? Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> so um if you weren't able to catch the course in time to attend live, then my plan is to post it as a free offer that people can consume at their leisure but um it will be happening live next week from january 16th to 20th okay cool so, no that is really good timing <laughs> yeah so, so i'll send you the details and i don't know if they'll, it, you'll be able to put it in the show oh notes yeah I'll put everything in the show notes your instagram your website um uh -huh. okay so my final question for you i ask all my guests and you've given us lots of great advice today, but what's one final piece of advice that you can give us, our listeners today, for living a wild, creative life? <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> such a good question. Such a big question. I, know. I think probably the best piece of advice is trust. Tr learn to trust yourself. Really learn to slow down and give yourself the space to listen to yourself and trust in that. Yeah, it's not very, I, I'm like, it's not very specific, but I think it's important. No, that's so perfect. That's, that's the kind of just a short, sweet piece of advice. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's perfect. Well, thank no, you perfect. again for joining me today. I, it was really enlightening, honestly. <laughs> so I loved it. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It was so nice to chat with you. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you found my conversation with Sydney as jaw-droppingly insightful as I did. If you'd like to connect with Sydney online, all her links are below, including the link to her mini course that she has going on this week. If you're enjoying the podcast overall, please do rate, review, and don't forget to subscribe, follow, and share. I do also have a Patreon for the show if you'd like to support it that way. All the links are in the show notes. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for future episodes, please email me at emmakivetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative. <laughs>